Hey Bulls Nation, welcome back to another episode of the Rebuildable Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Gentile, and it's been a while since I've been behind the mic talking Bulls with you. I mean, what, a little over two weeks. I try to do these bi-weekly, but life got in the way, work got in the way, and I had to take some, some time to just recollect. But I'm here, I'm back, feeling very refreshed. So in today's episode, I'm actually going to do something a little different. We're going to talk some Bulls. But I do want to talk also about the Chicago Sky a little bit because they made a splash acquisition with the signing of Candace Parker. And of course, Candace Parker, a native of Chicago, an alum of Naperville Central. Now, I I come from the suburbs, so I feel like we should attribute Candace Parker to, to the suburbs. But anyway, it's awesome that she is going to join an already stacked core of the Chicago sky. So today's guest on the podcast is Katie Duffy. She's an associate producer with NBC Sports Chicago. She's always one of my favorite guests. She's been on the podcast several times before to talk about both the Bulls and the sky. So I think you're really going to enjoy her outlook on both teams. And she's always a lot of fun too. We always, I always feel like we're cracking jokes at some point somewhere within the discussion. Um, before she comes on, though, I do want to just give you some some quick thoughts on on the current state of the Bulls. Look, since the last episode, they've they've hit a bit of a rough patch. Now they they rebounded earlier this week on Monday night with a win against the Knicks. But at eight and eleven, things are still a bit uneven. We've seen bright spots. We, I mean, Zach Levine's been a bright spot to this team. We've seen players like Laurie Markkinen take a step up. Thad Young's taken a step up. We've enjoyed the acquisition of Garrett Temple, I think, a lot more than we anticipated. And and there's been other guys who have contributed pretty consistently. Otto Porter. Patrick Williams has shown a lot in his rookie season. But we're still seeing some of those growing pains. Leading up to the start of the regular season, I, I kind of predicted this kind of unevenness early in the season. You just looked at the schedule. They had a pretty stacked start against some stiff competition. Now, they've had some rough losses against teams like the Oklahoma City Thunder, who who are more near the bottom portion of the league right now. I think that's pretty safe to say. They don't have the same roster they've boasted in the last few years, especially when, when Billy Donovan was at the helm. Also, a couple nights ago against the Portland Trailblazers, that was an undermanned team with some injuries. Now, granted, Damian Lillard's an all-world player, and he was available and made the Bulls pay in the down the stretch there. But still, that was a game that you thought the Bulls should win. And then you saw games against the Lakers and Celtics that were rough losses against stiffer competition. But this is something that we should expect. because This is a team that has to learn. It's part of the learning process. They have to learn how to win. You know, where they're at right now, I mean, just, just look at the win total. They've won eight out of 19 games. I mean, if you just look at at it and do the math, right, they project to win about 30 to 32 games. And honestly, that's what I I projected coming into the season in this 72-game schedule. So it's not too much of a surprise. They're kind of performing how I thought they'd perform. And the issues that are plaguing the Bulls right now are common issues that plague young teams trying to feel their way through a season. After years of developing a lot of bad and losing habits. You're seeing a lot of defensive lapses. You're seeing poor execution down the stretch. And you're seeing turnovers. 
So it's not that surprising. And you hope that things get better as the season progresses. Where I'm a little optimistic is that the schedule does kind of soften up here soon. And maybe they can get a little little bit of a streak going as we get into February. February has been a lucky month for the Bulls in the past. And we know Laurie Markkinen's had some good months of February. So we'll see what, what happens here. Let's talk more about the Bulls, and then we'll get into our discussion about the Chicago Sky a little bit later in the episode. Let's bring Katie Duffy in. Katie, how are you? You, you healthy? You don't got the COVID or anything like that? Uh, I am healthy. I do not have it. I am hanging in there the best that you know anyone can do nowadays. It's great to be back. How are you? All things considered, I'm I'm doing well. Yeah, by the way, the the you know don't have the COVID or the COVID. I feel like that's like a baby boomer Midwestern thing. Is you say the COVID? Yeah, putting the word the in front of everything is definitely the Midwest thing. I appreciate it because I grew up with it. So it's always good to hear. I saw a really, uh, it was a really funny tweet around the time of the election. And it was that uh, Joe Biden won back all the states that call it the COVID. It's a very accurate description. That whole blue wall is, is the COVID state. It's, it's like the purple states. Yeah. Now we, I honestly, I like the COVID. I like that way much better than calling it the purple states. So I think we should change that officially. Well, you know what? Um, I'm I'm going to start a movement with uh, the Rebuildable Podcast, and and I'm sure we'll get a, a few dozen people. Um, I definitely wanted to have you on for this episode because I wanted to get into, of course, what's going on with the state of the Bulls, and I know you're you're a huge Bulls fan, but I also know that you could provide some good perspective on the Chicago Sky a little bit later in this episode. So, yeah, really looking forward to this discussion because it was a big few days for the Sky with the acquisition of Candace Parker. But before we get to that, with the Chicago Bulls right now, 8-11, coming off of a a much-needed win against the New York Knicks, but it's sort of been uneven to this point. In your opinion, are are the Bulls playing below, above, or or at your expectation level right now? It's hard for me to answer that question. I'm going to say below, but I have a reasoning for it. Okay. It's only because I don't think, for me personally, and I think I speak for a lot of Bulls fans, I don't think we realized just how much losing had been beaten into this roster. Mm. Like, I don't think we realized how deep this went. I think for myself personally, I was like, okay, Billy Donovan's here. We're good. Like all of these really stupid last second losses, like this is done now. Like we're, we're, we're through it, but it's taken them a lot longer to build these good winning habits. And I think it's just because we didn't realize what a number Jim Boylan did on these guys. So in that sense, below, but I think we've seen some really incredible growth from a lot of our players. Mm, Yeah, and like, I feel like that's kind of been where my state of mind is in terms of just trying to get that losing culture out. And I I, I did anticipate that coming into the season. But yeah, it's like this, it's going to be this long learning process. And I don't know, like, I maybe anticipated that part of it, but it, it is a little... I guess it's a little rough because you do see bright spots here and there, you know, like, like Zach Levine. I mean, he's taken a massive step up this season after a pretty solid 2020 season, but you're seeing what he can do at his max potential. But then you'll have moments where he's turned the ball over at an alarming rate, or there's other guys doing the same thing, like having defensive lapses. And it's kind of nice to be though invested 
in the Bulls again and not as apathetic anymore. Yeah, what that is, for me, the biggest difference from this year to last year. Like, I want to watch these games now. Last year, it was like, oh, I have to watch them or, like, I'm working, so I have to watch this game. Now it's like, oh, my gosh, I cannot miss the Bulls game tonight. Like, they're playing the Knicks last year. I literally, I would not even have looked at the final score. But this year, like, that is must-watch television for Chicagoans, I feel like. Even though it is the Knicks, like, you just have to watch it because you're – you have someone to root for again. Like, I like these guys now. I liked them last year, but now I like this team as a whole now. Yeah, I do think the Billy Donovan effect is a real thing. Uh, it's just he's got to try to beat it out of them, you know? Like, that that Jim Boylan, you know, hangover is a rough one. That Jim Boylan hangover. I like that a lot, actually. See, and then Billy Donovan is the hangover cure. I love it. Billy Donovan's a good brunch. Yeah, <laughs> he's a good brunch. Oh my gosh, yeah. It's a big glass of water, some toast, and some aspirin. I think that's actually a perfect way to describe him. I like I think all of us were excited when we knew that we were getting him, but I don't think we realized like how good of a coach this guy is just watching him develop players that I thought had already hit their ceiling. So it's been so impressive. So I wanted to ask you, of course, about Zach Levine. What what are your thoughts right now on just his his current growth? Like like I said, he had a pretty good 2020 season, but I feel like he's even taken a bigger step this year. I want to shout from every rooftop in Chicago about how much I love Zach Levine. Like, genuinely. I thought that, like, he was that player who last season, I was like, okay, this is Zach's ceiling. Like, we found it. We're here now. Like, there's not much we can do. But then he took another step. And I don't know if it really was just the time off, like, getting in his head and, like, hearing what everyone was saying when the Bulls didn't make the bubble, or if it's that plus a combination of Billy Donovan, plus just him being older now, whatever it is, he has taken another step that I didn't think he had. So his growth as a whole, but also his decision-making is the greatest thing that I have seen out of him this season because we know Zach Levine the scorer, right? Like we know Zach Levine who can drop 40 on you and not bat an eyelid, but it's different when he's giving up the ball in late game situations because it's he knows it's the right thing to do. Um, I mean, you have turnovers, but you have that with any good offensive player and you have that when you have a new coach and it's a new system. But his assists, his decision making, I we saw transition defense at some point and I screamed out loud. I was like, I, I didn't know that Zach Levine could do this. So I am so excited about what we've seen from him. We heard Billy Donovan sort of challenge him at one point this season. I think it was the game against Dallas where Zach had like 40-something points that night. And and Billy Donovan said, you know, it's great that he's an aggressive scorer, but there will be nights where he needs to be aggressive in other areas offensively and be more of a facilitator. And the next night, that was against Portland you know, on the road, and he had that big game with, I think, double-digit assists, and you, you saw him locked in as a facilitator. And I feel like since that moment, he's really stepped up to the challenge from Billy Donovan. So I think he's really bought in. It's. I was thinking about this earlier today, too, just as, like, on the Zach Levine train, as I often get. Like, it just kind of goes in a lot of different directions. But I was thinking how impressed I am that Zach has taken to Billy Donovan like he has. And you kind of expect it, right, after you have, you know, a not-so-great coach. But Zach Levine has had such fast coach turnover ratio in his career. So to see him now, like, taking, like, giving everything he has to Billy Donovan, even, you know, despite what, it's like, it's like if you have a very long line of toxic exes, and then you start dating someone new, and you still, like, give them your all, 
that's what he's doing here. And I'm honestly so impressed with it. Yeah. And, you know, that's a, a really good point that I don't think a lot of people bring up. He's had to deal with a lot of head coaches in his career. It's not easy. And taking to somebody like Billy Donovan, who's who's a pro's pro, is it's great to see. I, this is a question that I kind of hate having to ask, but I feel like it, it comes up a lot. And it's it's certainly something to think about, given where Zach is right now with two years left on his contract. In your opinion, and I know you're pretty high on Zach, but in your opinion, do you think he's worth a max extension right now? Um, no, <laughs> no. And I love him so much and it's hard, but no, unless we see, no, I just, oh, it, it, like I'm in physical pain saying this right now, but no. And first for a lot of reasons, but I think for as much as we've seen out of him, I don't know that we've seen that he can be the number one on a championship team. Mm. I'm not saying, you know, he could be on a championship team, but I don't know if he could be a number one. Let me, let me throw this out at you though. Do you think he could be a really good number two or a high level number three, maybe like a, a more of the scoring threat and the number two is like a Draymond Green defensive threat. Do you think he could be that? Absolutely. 100%. Like you said, it kind of depends on who you pair him with, whether it's like a Draymond Green, Steph Curry situation. Um, but 100%, a number two or a number three on a championship team, absolutely. Hmm. I, I'm going to surprise people because if, if if you listen to this podcast, you know that I've sort of been open to the idea of training Zach Levine. But I'd be okay giving him a max extension. Here's why. It's really hard to find guys that can score 25 points in their sleep. And now you're starting to see him, again, like like you were saying, turning the corner as a facilitator, being more of a willing defender. I feel like that could be a really solid number two or high-level number three. And, you know, in the NBA, you can have multiple guys on, on max contracts. So This is true, yeah. I might be open to it because you might still be able to even move him down the road if, if need be. So I, I might be open to it. Can I can I sell you on this idea? You you know what? You can 100% sell me on it. I can't promise that I'm going to buy it right now today. But right. like over time, if you keep marketing this idea, I am going to buy into it. I, I mean, it's something that I kind of kick around all the time because I get that this summer you could potentially move him if you'd like to. And, and you probably could get a, a decent haul for him. But I don't know. I, I feel like he might become an attractive piece that another high-level player might be interested in playing with and I I don't know if I thought that coming into the season I'll be honest with you I don't think I anticipated that being a possibility but might actually be so can I ask I don't know if you were going to bring this up I might be stealing your thunder here but there's a lot of talk about trading him right now because you have Bradley Beal who's very unhappy in his situation reportedly and then Lonzo Ball is also on the table. So, yeah. I mean, as far as I know, those are the two biggest names that we're, as a, as a Bulls fan community, talking about right now. So if you had to choose between the two, it doesn't matter what else is being traded with him, but you know Zach Levine is gone, which one of the two do you want back? Probably Bradley Beal. So Lonzo is somebody I would love to pair with Zach Levine. Like, with Kobe White, I see redundancy. You know, Kobe White, and I do want to get into this maybe a little bit later, but I kind of look at Kobe White as a combo guard more than a traditional point guard. And I feel like if you could add Lonzo with Zach Levine in this current construction, I kind of like that better. 
Um, but if you had to get rid of Zach, I'd be more open to Bradley Beal. Frankly, I'd love to have either one of those guys with Zach Levine. That that would be more enticing to me. But yeah, if if I had to pick which one to to swap for Zach Levine and hopefully maybe get some other type of decent assets in return, I, I I'd say probably Bradley Beal. But are are they are they kind of redundant though? In your opinion, are are they kind of the same player? Or do you think there's differences there? There's differences. I think it's hard. It's hard to pair anyone with Bradley Beal, honestly. Um, I think if I was a Wizards fan, I would prefer to pair him with like a, a center or, you know, just a taller player. No offense to, you know, Russell Westbrook, John, John Wall. But um, I think you need a post player with Bradley Beal. So I think if we were to bring him in, especially if we were getting rid of Zach, it would kind of turn out the same. Like, I don't think he would jump our championship hopes all that much if i'm being honest um redundancy definitely a bit of redundancy um with him and kobe for sure i think that they would be stepping all over each other (laughs) well let me let me get into kobe white real quick um how concerned are you about him because like he's shown some flashes occasionally offensively especially with scoring output something just looks off with him as a point guard like as a facilitating point guard and it's the high turnovers the weird ball handling the kind of forced passes it just doesn't seem right to me but what do you think about Kobe White so far I think there are two things at play here so number one sophomore slump you know happens to a lot of players obviously Kobe didn't have like an MVP rookie season or anything, but I think anytime you see somebody who comes in and performs really well as a rookie, as I would say Kobe did, you know, once he started playing more consistently, um, it's not super uncommon to see that sophomore slump. Like we've seen it with a lot of Bulls players over the years too. So I think that's partially where this turnover issue is coming from, plus being in a new system as well. Billy Donovan is asking him to do a lot of things. So it's that perfect culmination, but I don't, think Kobe White wants to be a point guard I think Kobe White in his brain might want to be a point guard but Kobe White's skill set what his body is used to doing what he is used to seeing on the court I don't think point guard like he just doesn't scream point guard to me I, I feel like it's almost holding him back because we as fans love Kobe White right like mm-hmm. I don't I can't think of any other player on this current roster who we get more hyped about when they have a really good night other than Kobe Zach, we see it from more often, but with Kobe, I just feel like we're holding Kobe back a little bit by putting him in a point guard box. Yeah. I think we have to kind of maybe adjust our view of him. And I've always thought even when they drafted him, I thought maybe he'd be a really high level combo guard. I, I just, I always saw him that way. I never saw him as a traditional point guard. So like, look, if he, that's who he turns into, I think it's fine. It's just, I guess with Zach Levine, this is where it gets tricky. At some point, whenever you get a a point guard, does that mean Zach's being shipped out or Kobe's being moved to the bench? I don't know. I I think it's got to be one of those scenarios. Like, I hope at some point maybe the the light turns on, but I I just, I don't see it. I don't. I think... It's so hard to watch him in a starting lineup because you know that if he was on the bench, he would be dropping like 30 point nights, not every night, but every once in a while, you know, because that bench is really where, really where he fits. Like there's no 
number two point guard. I mean, Sadoransky, but you know, I would take Sadoransky over uh, or Kobe White over Sadoransky most days. Um, I think seeing him on that bench where he can do what he wants to do rather than kind of being boxed in with Zach and with Lowry and everybody else who can handle the ball a little bit. It's, it's just, it's hard to watch. I, I really wish we could just kind of unleash Kobe White, but I think it's going to be a big deal when trade season comes, when the off season comes. I, I don't want to say you have to pick between the two, but it's just weird to watch them in the starting lineup, right? It kind of feels like they just don't work. No, I, I don't, it doesn't seem organic. And I, I think at some point you're right. Like they, they are going to have to make a decision. And maybe the decision is they end up with a, veteran facilitating point guard and you know maybe Kobe does move to the bench and becomes an elite spark plug there's like to me the number seven pick in the draft if if that's who you get is a bona fide sixth man that could any night put up 20 to 30 points I feel like hell I I'd sign up for that every day so I I don't have a I don't really have a problem with that um let me let me go to another famous number seven pick for the Chicago Bulls Laurie Markkinen there's, there's plenty of number seven picks from the Bulls. But... Yeah, you could have gone so many directions with that one. <laughs> Maybe I'm talking about Wendell Carter. No, I'm talking about Larry Markkinen. So he's come back from his uh, his hiatus with the, the injury and the COVID protocols. And he's doing pretty well. I mean, offensively, he looks aggressive, engaged. Do you think this is sustainable or is this just sort of a quick flash in the pan for, for Larry? I love aggressive Lowry Markkinen so much. Um, but I think there's a very distinctive reason we're seeing this, and it's because it's contract season. Mm. Um, I, I I don't like this comparison, but you know how Otto Porter just kind of takes a nap for like four years, and then when it's contract season, he wakes up? I'm afraid yeah. that that's the pattern Lowry's falling into. And obviously, we had injury issues. And we had a coach that he really didn't gel with. But I do have a big fear that this is just a contract season Lowry. And then he's going to kind of relax after it's over. Mm -hmm. Um, I think we can revisit some of the things that Lowry has been called in the past couple of years. Like, I think we can definitively say that he's not a bust. But I am very afraid that this is just a contract season thing. I'm just, I'm terrified that he might end up keeping this clip up gets, you know, $20 million, whether it's from the Bulls extending him you know, or signing him to a contract before free agency or somebody gives him that ridiculous offer. Because you you know there's going – this is the NBA. You know there's going to be a GM out there who says, oh, my God, he's 7-1. He played really well under a good head coach. There's so much more potential there. I'm giving him $20, 21000000 million a season. I could totally see that happening. And if that happens, I'm kind of afraid that the Bulls match. And oh. I just, I'm, I'm not ready for that commitment. He could prove me wrong as the season goes on, but I'm just not ready for that commitment right now. I 100% agree with you. There are still bonehead GMs out there. Somebody is going to offer him that money. I take a little bit of confidence in the fact that we do not have our old bonehead GM, so maybe they just kind of let him walk. I hope that's the case if somebody does offer him that money. The only thing that's like in the back of my head with this is obviously very different situation, very different player, but do you remember when it was Jimmy Butler's rookie contract that was ending? And like oh, yeah. I, I personally was like, don't pay him that, that's ridiculous. And then he bet on himself and he proved it. So, I mean, maybe that's what happens here, but I don't think based on what are we 20 games into the season that 
anybody should be paying him what we've seen the other players from his draft class get. Mm, yeah, and and that's huh, it's is it it's a tricky proposition because then I guess the the counter is well if it if that's the case do you just try to to spin him at the deadline to get something for him or you know are the Bulls at a luxury where they could just basically say hey you know what peace out we don't we don't need to you know we'll see what we can get from you this season maybe try to make a playoff push but. When the season's over, just just let him walk. I, I don't know. It's it's kind of a tricky spot to be in. I say spin him mostly because in a lot of situations like this, like where you know you're not going to pay someone what they want, I almost always say spin them. Like just see what you can get. If there's no market out there for him, okay, he can walk. That's great. We'll give him a nice little tribute video, and like you know, it'll be it'll be good. But if there is something, whether it's just a draft pick or something else, like. I say spin it. Why not? I love I love United Center tribute videos. They're always the best. <laughs> like, I mean, I, I thought that one time they were going to do a thank you for Carmelo Anthony. Oh, my gosh. I honestly wish that had happened. I'm going to put it past the Bulls. They, they have a, a very, very ambitious marketing department. That's for sure. Um, I want to get your thoughts real quick on also the, the this kind of new wave bench mob, the, the vet mob. I've heard a bunch of different different names for it i think i think c red fred is calling them pyt because of porter young and temple very interesting yeah very c red fred shout out to, to fred pfeiffer so i mean what do you what do you think of this group like at first off i did not anticipate garrett temple being this much of an impact player but what do you think of these guys and do you let them ride for the rest of the season to see how far this can go or Kind of like we were talking about with Laurie. Do you try to spin these guys and see what you can get? I love the vet mob. I think they're so much fun. It's nice to have a reliable bench because we haven't had that in a long time. Um, and I'm on the same wavelength with Garrett Temple. I was like, where did he come from? Like, you you know he's a journeyman, but, like, this was crazy. Anyway, um, I it, it's tough because I think that as good as they have been for us – I don't think there is a market for these guys. I mean, you know, maybe you can get a little bit for Garrett Temple just because he has had such a really kind of crazy season, but I don't think anybody's really going to give us anything for Thad Young. You know, I mean, we took him for next to nothing in the off season. So um, I would ride with them. I say, why not? Because whatever you do get for them is more than likely going to be a younger player or a draft pick. So I say, because we have such a young core, it's good to have these good vet guys around to just kind of let them grow, you know, let them guide these young guys so that we can see more growth from the people that we actually need to evaluate. I personally would ride with them, you know, let them get paid by somebody else next season when their contracts end. But for right now, I would ride with them unless you get some kind of crazy GM who really just wants to overpay for Otto Porter again, then, you know, let them go, obviously. But other than that, I would ride with them. All right. Last question about the Bulls before we get to our, our Sky discussion. When the regular season's wrapped up, do you think the Bulls are going to be somewhere in that playoff picture? And again, we have that whole play-in scenario that's supposed to happen. So really, anywhere from 7 to 10, do you think the Bulls will be there when the season's over? If they are, it will not be because of something that they did. It will be because this Eastern Conference is so underwhelming. I do not think it's going to happen. I think if they do make the plan they would lose um but if they even make the plan it will be because these other teams really just have not performed the, the way that they are supposed to 
you know, that would probably be the best case scenario because you could easily sell, I think, anybody that might be interested in the Bulls that, hey, this young team, they really fought, they battled, they got to the play-in. They're kind of like this year's version of the Phoenix Suns. And hey, we're in the lottery and this is a really deep draft. So we're going to get a top player potentially to go with these young guys and we might have some cap space. Like it's kind of the best of both worlds. You can have your cake and eat it too in that scenario. <laughs> yeah, that would be a good end to the season, honestly. I'd be happy with that. Yeah, I mean, you know, you kind of look at what happened with Phoenix. It kind of, it made that whole pursuit of Chris Paul probably feasible and possible because they, they got on a hot streak once they, they got in the bubble. I mean, they didn't lose a game in the bubble and uh, kind of painted them as a, it painted the season as a success. Um, I do want to get into into the discussion here about the Chicago Sky because it's a pretty big moment. I feel like it's a big moment probably in the history of the league when you have probably one of the best basketball players on the planet in Candace Parker changing teams and coming back to her to her hometown team, the Chicago Sky. How surprised were you by that news? The first report that came out, I genuinely thought it was fake. I was like, this is ridiculous. Because sometimes those crazy rumors come out and you're like, you know it's not true. NBA, WNBA, literally any sports league on the planet, there's always some crazy rumor out there. I was like, this is not real. She would never do that. This is a Kobe situation where she's never going to leave LA. This is like where she's built her career. It's not happening. And then the ESPN report came out and I screamed because it was like once it hit ESPN, you're like, this is real. There's a certain degree of believability that comes when it's an ESPN report, whether it's Woj or someone else, even if it's, you know, a Shams report, like, you know, it's real then. So I screamed. Um, my roommate thought I was being murdered. I wasn't, but she was very concerned because I was, I, I cannot remember the last time I was this excited about a free agency signing in the city of Chicago. I mean, you have like, the last time I was this excited was the Khalil Mack trade. And that was a trade. This is just a whole signing. So incredibly excited <laughs> is the only answer I have for you because I really thought it was fake. Um, yeah, it, it was the best day that I've had in a while. You and I talked about this actually right around the time when the NBA was about to go in the bubble. We talked about the WNBA's you know campus set up and we talked about the sky for a little bit. And we talked about how they already had a pretty stacked core and that they were title contenders just with the roster they had. I mean, this to me probably makes them runaway favorites to not only be a title contender, but potentially win the title. Yeah. I think for the past couple seasons, we've seen the sky be like, yeah, they're in the playoffs. Okay. Yes. They're getting through one or two rounds of the playoffs, but this is like, okay, yeah, they're going to, definitely participate in the championship like I for me that's not a question and it's so hard to say that because the WNBA in general is so stacked because of the the small number of teams but maybe it's just me being biased maybe this is just like the haze that comes with a giant free agency signing but I'm with you here I don't see a way that they don't participate in a championship series well, and the the thing that's interesting is when they went to to I to IMG Academy, right? That's where they were stationed in in the summer, correct? So when they went in, I thought that they were were title contenders, and I really think the DeShields injury kind of sent them back just a little bit, and they were still very competitive. But it's just they're they're stacked. Like 
you know, Coach Wade has a lot of options with this roster. We were talking a little bit about that offline. Like, he literally has a bunch of different combinations he can roll out there. Yeah, this is a stacked team. It's a versatile team. Everywhere you look, there is talent. Um, and it's deep talent, too. You know, like, we were talking about the forward positions, and, like, depending on which depth chart you look at, there are so many combinations for a starting lineup. Some of them are incorrect combinations, but they're still combinations nonetheless. You know, like there are so many people behind your star players that are still very good WNBA players. This team is is dangerous. They were dangerous before. They are even more dangerous now. Let, let's get to that about the, the starting lineup, because just to, to peel the curtain back for the listeners here, we were, uh, Katie and I were looking at a depth chart. I was reading a depth chart from RotoWire, and I guess that's my my fault for even going to that. They they kind of have they have a, a starting lineup that doesn't include Diamond to Shields, and I was kind of baffled. And I was asking Katie like, how is that possible? Like to me, that's a that's a no brainer. Like Diamond to Shields isn't the starting lineup. Katie, who who do you think is going to be the starting five for the the Chicago Sky? It's Diamond Shields, man. Come on. Who? I just, I don't get it. Any, okay. You have Allie, you have Courtney. Those are two people. You're not going to question it. Nobody should question it. That's it. Um, Candace, obviously, you just signed her for a bunch of money. She's got to be in the starting lineup. Forward is where it gets interesting. Yes. Like we just said, I, if you don't have Diamond Shields in your starting lineup, we have a problem. Um, she is one of the most talented people on this roster, and that is saying quite a bit. The second forward position is an issue. You have Ruthie. Uh, Ruthie Hebert is, she's a sophomore season, I want to say. Yes, sophomore season. Um, Her rookie season was fantastic in the sense that she gels with our point guard, Courtney Vandersloot, so well Mm. that it's hard to put her on the bench. But you also have Gabby Williams. I personally would pick Ruthie because I think that if you can put Gabby on the bench and let her run a point forward role for our, our second line there, it's going to make us even more dangerous than we already are. Um, so my personal starting five for the Chicago Sky is Courtney Vandersloot, Allie Quigley, Diamond Shields, Ruthie Hebert, and Candace Parker. I mean, damn, I'm thinking of just like, <laughs> you know, I mean, think about that, though. If you could slide Gabby Williams to the bench, that's pretty good. You have Gabby Williams on your bench. Like, who does that? I, look, like this... And I, I saw I saw a couple of tweets where it's like, oh, God, is this like Dwayne Wade coming home? Here's the difference. Candace Parker's still playing at a very high level. She, I mean, she's what? The reigning defensive player of the year, correct? Mm-hmm. Okay. So she's still playing at a high level, and she's still scoring at a pretty damn good clip. This is not Dwayne Wade. Like, Dwayne Wade was way at the end of his rope. And I would even say that, like, Dwayne Wade, Dwayne Wade still gave you production, but he was coming to a team that literally was – him, Jimmy Butler, and Rajon Rondo, and just a bunch of guys. Like, this, Candace Parker's coming to a stacked roster, so this is way different. And she doesn't have to be putting a high-scoring clip every night or being even an MVP candidate. This is the type of move that a really stacked team does, right? Like, you have a nice young core, you have a good veteran backcourt, and now you say, all right, you know what? We only need one more real dominant piece. Let's go get surefire veteran Hall of Famer add that to the lineup. And again, they were already a title contender. Now they're just title favorites at this point. This has been so surreal and shocking to me as a Chicago sports fan, because I, we so rarely see 
Chicago teams bet the farm on one season where they know they can win a championship. Mm-hmm. So, like, I mean, with the Bulls, they've done nothing, to put it nicely, <laughs> over the past couple of years before we got rid of, you know, our very toxic front office. But every contract of a core player on the Chicago Sky, aside from Candace Parker, who is on a two-year deal, ends after this upcoming season. So you're really seeing the Sky bet their entire farm on one season. And I can't remember a team that adequately did that and adequately made a run at the one piece they knew they were missing, maybe in my lifetime, at least as long as I've I've been watching sports in this city. I'm going to give you one. I know why you're not calling them out because they are not your team. The The Chicago Cubs. The, the the Cubs did that in twenty in twenty sixteen. Like they went all out in free agency that year, and you know they they spent money on Jason Hayward and and Ben Zobrist, John Lackey. Then they made the trade where they got rid of one of their top prospects to to get a role with Chapman to to fill the closer void. That's probably the the closest thing that I've seen where somebody went for it. But again, that's that's five years ago. It's crazy to think about. This is very close to that. But this doesn't happen a lot in Chicago. You're right. Like there there isn't a lot of scenarios where they bet the farm to go after a championship. Your White Sox should be doing that. Kate. Hey, you know what? <laughs> That's a whole other podcast. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look at how it worked out when the Cubs did it. Like I hope that's what they're doing here because it worked out for the Cubs, you know? It I honestly think this is one of those situations and Hopefully it has this exact same effect. Mm-hmm. And this is something too, like this might drum up interest when if there's an opportunity for fans to get back and and see this team play in person, I think it's going to attract maybe some people that have been hesitant to get into the WNBA. I, and I, I, I really believe like this is a, a transcendent type move that could attract some, some new fans potentially to the sport and to the, into the sky, which I think is huge. I hope so. This team has has genuinely been so disrespectfully, <laughs> um, to put a, a very strong word on it, that I genuinely believe disrespectfully ignored by fans for a long time. Because, and I, I tweeted this the other day, like, think about our sports teams. They suck, okay? Like, they're bad. We have had... So many years of Bears misery, of Bulls misery, of Blackhawks rebuild that wasn't really a rebuild, but was kind of a rebuild. The White Sox have been awful for most of my entire life. Cubs fans, you all know you were cursed for a long time. And we've had this one consistent team that people haven't been paying attention to. So I I really, I hope that this is that flash in the pan that people are like, oh, hey, the the Chicago Sky are here. They've arrived and we should all be paying attention to them. Mm-hmm. It was funny. Like I think I started getting into the Chicago Sky around the time of uh, Elena Deladon. That's like when I started really paying a lot more attention to them. And you know, I, I genuinely liked that team, and that they had some good teams with her there. And then, you know, she gets traded away, and it they kind of hit a rough patch. But they came back pretty strong quickly. Like it didn't it didn't knock them out for an extended period of time. And that's cool that they were able to kind of retool this on the fly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's one of the things that they've always had is some pretty competent leadership. I mean, with with James Wade now, he really has taken them to another level in that sense. But I mean, competent moves is not totally unheard of for them the way that it is sometimes. 
um, in any sports league. Like you have these teams that go through just years and years of droughts and we've had competent moves out of them. I mean, we had Allie Quigley and Courtney Vandersloot for years <laughs> and nobody seemed, you know, to notice, but those were incredible signings. He really has found some really incredible players in this league that he's been able to bring in. Well, I'll tell you what, he's 10 times better than the, the first ever Sky coach, Dave Cowens. I remember watching some of those games and the, oof, that was rough. Um, but yeah, it, I think it's going to be a really, really fun season. And, you know, hopefully it'd be really cool to see another champion in this town. It would be really cool to see them raise a banner over there. And, you know, look, I, I don't know. I, I don't know if I told you this, Katie. So I'm, I'm a DePaul alum. And I have not been out to the Wintrust Arena yet, so maybe that might be my first time out at Wintrust is is watching a, a Sky game. It's a good place to watch a game. I worked for them for a summer, and it is genuinely a really fun atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Um, they have they do this thing called Camp Day, or at least they used to, um, where they have like Sunday 11 a.m. games, and it is bananas. It is so much fun. Um, any game you go to there is going to be a good time. But if you can get there on one of those theme nights or one of those theme morning games, it is genuinely a really fun arena to go to. Awesome. What, what's your what's your prediction record-wise? I don't know. Like We haven't heard how many games they might play or what the scenario might be, but if it's a normal season, what's your prediction? Oh, it's so hard to answer just because we don't know how many games they're going to be. And then it's also, you know, you got to factor in COVID and everything. True. Um, but I think genuinely it's, it's, they're not going to be undefeated. I'm not crazy. Um, I'm not going to go with that crazy, but I'm going to say like, I think, cause it's going to take them a little while to figure it out. I'm saying 80% win record. Cause I don't know how many games are going to be. Um, hopefully they announce that soon, but I'm saying 80% winning record. That's just not bold enough. I like, I, I was expecting a, a really bold take from you. I wanted the undefeated take. Okay, I'm sorry. Um, 100% of the games will be Ws. They're going to crush every opponent by at least 50 points minimum. I, I got to end it on, on this, actually. Were you, uh, were you surprised that somebody actually decided to ask Candace Parker what her Portillo's order was? No, that is my favorite thing that people do in this city. I get so excited every time because you have to ask a Chicago native when they come back. And if it's not a Chicago native, you have to give them a couple years to be in the city to try everything. It's my absolute favorite thing that happens during press conferences because they never expect it. But like we know it's coming. Well, shit. Let, let's end this episode with that question. Katie Duffy, what's your Portillo's order? You're going to be so disappointed in me. It's chicken tenders and french fries. Look, th- there's no wrong answer, I feel like, with Portillo's. People who do that, they're just, they need to get off their high horse. There's nothing wrong with that. The tenders are good. They're solid. They're so good, right? Yeah. I'm a tender aficionado, so like, I'm I'm pretty picky, and Portillo's has has good tenders. So, but, hey, you know what? That's that's good. That's good. You know, if if you had said like, oh, you know what? I really like getting the chopped salad, but it's for the poppy seed muffin. Then I'd have a problem. That's that's an issue. We we we'd we'd have we'd have a lot of problems there, Katie. It's always a pleasure to have you on. Thank you for sharing your thoughts on on the sky and the bulls, and of course. We'll definitely have you on again soon. Thank you for having me. I have fun literally every time I'm on. Thank you for listening to the Rebuildable Podcast. Be sure to check us out and subscribe on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever else you stream your podcasts.